0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Ashley, and I'm a part of the teaching team here at Catalyst. Um, If you've been with us for any amount of time in the last couple of weeks, you know that we're talking about some um, kind of hot-button questions that usually we're afraid to ask at church. So today we're going to be talking about the question of the unpardonable sin because apparently there's like just one sin that's so bad that if we do it, God just will never forgive us again. So... That to me I don 't know about for you but to me that feels wrong on a, lo- a lot of levels mostly because we claim that God's love is infinite and we claim that it's all-encompassing but then Jesus does this weird thing where he goes and talks about this thing that 's unforgivable so definitely hot button in my opinion but also like kind of scary like <laughs> what if I accidentally do it and then all of a sudden i'm just screwed, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) um, (laughs) just being honest. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a story that kind of helped me understand the unpardonable sin, and I, I hope that it will help you understand, like, the consistency of God's unending, limitless love, and it's my husband's job in IT, um, which I know is the exact transition that you were expecting there, so, um, So essentially, my husband's on call 24-7 because he works in IT, and he fixes problems for people. And so we're sitting one night eating dinner, and he gets on his phone. So I'm like, hey, like, is that a work thing? He's like, yeah, it is, because normally we're not on our phones at the table. So I'm like, okay, so we just kind of let him do his thing, and I'm talking with our daughter, and whatever. So a few minutes goes by. I assume he's fixed the problem because he sets his phone down. And it goes off again, and he starts laughing. I'm like, okay, well, now you have to tell me because I want to be laughing at something funny too. So he shows me this string of messages and it is actually kind of funny. So it basically goes as follows. This person reaches out and he's like, hey Jake, I'm so-and-so and our, the computer that's like running all of our machines uh, won't turn on and so we're kind of worried about like our, the machines for our entire business turning off while all of our customers are here. So can you help us? And Jake's like, yes, uh, have you tried turning it on? And <laughs> The person just sends, like, an eye roll emoji, (laughs) and she's like, yes, we tried that. It won't turn on, and he's like, okay, well, like, did you check the back of the computer? Is it, like, plugged all the way in, or, like, did somebody maybe kick it at the wall? Like, can you check to make sure it's plugged all the way into the wall? And then there's, like, a long silence, (laughs) and the person responds, yeah, looks like somebody just kicked it at the wall, so uh, we plugged it back in, and it's working now. Thanks, Um, (laughs) which is, like, pretty funny, because that's, basically every IT problem ever, but I'm um, <laughs> sure that that person is not the only person who's had an issue with a computer, and then we just, just kind of decide, well, it's just not working, and then somebody else, uh, like somebody in IT or something, comes by, and it's just a really simple solution, like, oh, it's just not plugged in all the way. Um, and then we feel really silly, because we were really just about to like write off the whole computer, right? Like, well, this whole thing just doesn't work, I'm not using it anymore, just go find a different computer. <laughs> Um, and what I think is most interesting, especially with that story, and pretty applicable to our conversation today, is the computer was fully functional, totally operational, literally nothing was wrong with it. Um, the only thing that was wrong with it was that it just wasn't like, plugged into the power source. Um, and I know for me, it's like, pretty easy to have one thing wrong and then just like, kind of write the whole thing off, despite <laughs> the possibility that it's really just a simple fix. So we're going to use that idea to talk about this idea of the unpardonable sin, which is specifically blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which we will get into. Um, But a lot of people look at it as like God's like great loophole, like as if God needed, he needed it out. Just just in case, you know, this is my out in case I don't want to deal with this person anymore. Um, And that's a lot of people, that's a lot of uh, the ways that, People view the unpardonable sin. So I'm going to tell you right now, that's not what it is, um, but we're going to get more into that today. <laughs> um, the other thing I'm going to tell you that I really want you to hold on to as we are worshiping and as we um, kind of continue talking about this topic is this, this idea. There is nothing, nothing at all, that's ever going to get in the way of God loving you. Period. Full stop. Like, zero things that will get in the way of God loving you. There is always opportunity for you to turn back to God and be healed by that never-ending, limitless love of God. So we're going to begin by celebrating God's great love, and Nathan and Chanel are going to do a great job of leading us in that. So This summer, um, our series is designed to put your questions front and center. So all spring, uh, we collected lots and lots, dozens of questions, and so we grouped them together, and so we're spending the summer each week uh, working through those questions. And there are a couple of guiding principles for our series, the first of which is that here at Catalyst, doubts and questions are not enemies of faith. Really, they're quite the opposite. Uh, we think it really matters that Jesus asked more questions than He gave answers to. So um, in that same vein, um, the second guiding principle is that we're not trying to like settle any questions. I'm not going to pull out like a golden ticket at the end and be like, "Here's your answer." Um, <laughs> that's just not the goal of the series. The goal of the series is really to create conversations. Um, And so these messages are, the goal of them is just to be the beginnings of conversations, not the end of them. Our goal is together as a community to be able to ask better questions together. So today um, we've got a question that hits kind of right at our experience of the goodness of God. And so we've got two questions we're going to work through today. The first of which is, what about the unpardonable sin, which I kind of already talked about and we're going to talk about first. And then the second question is, do we have to worry about death if we've never been baptized? I know those probably don't seem like they're related, but they actually are when we kind of get into it. So uh, we're going to talk about the, we're going to spend the first part talking about the unpardonable sin. And then in the second part of the uh, sermon, we're going to deal with the second question. Um, So the first question, baseline, what is the unpardonable sin and where did it come from? Earlier, I said it's, quote, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which I know all of you know what that means. So me being up here is like not really necessary, I understand. Um, (laughs) So turn with me to Mark 3. Uh, If you grabbed one of the free Bibles out of the back, it's on page 600. Um, If you did grab one of those, feel free to keep it. If you don't have one, um, consider it a gift from us. Um, So in Mark 3, as you're turning or clicking over there, this story that we're going to talk about is pretty early on in Jesus's ministry, and at this point, he's already gained a pretty strong reputation as a really powerful healer and a really strong teacher, and in Mark's gospel specifically, he has one really strong pillar of his ministry that Mark talks about a lot, and that's exorcism, which we all know Mark's gospel is famous for Jesus being an exorcist, so it's fine. Um, (laughs) So yeah, The question is, what does demons and exorcism have to deal with the unpardonable sin? So if we start, we're in Mark 3, we're going to start with uh, verses 28 and 29, and we'll see exactly what it says. So it says, I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. Okay, well, that seems pretty straightforward. Um, And I guess since like God's so forgiving, there has to be like at least one thing. Like He's like, Yeah, you're everything's okay, but there's just this one thing that you can't do, right? I mean, okay, but like also I have so many questions, <laughs> like, why just the Holy Spirit? Right? There's the whole like three in one Trinity thing, like God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So like is the Holy Spirit themselves just like really sensitive? Or like what why? Why not at least all three of them, and also, like, what does that really mean? <laughs> what what is the, the word "blaspheme" obviously sounds like a bad word here, right? He's saying it's like completely unforgivable, but it's also like kind of a weird word, like I don't go around using that word, so like in this command, like what is he really saying? It just feels like a lot of like church jargon, right And then even beyond all of that, right <laughs> there's like lots of problems with the command in itself, but beyond all of that, what does it mean to say like a sin is unforgivable? Because when I read these verses, I don't know about you guys, but when I read these verses, my first response is like, wow, that really doesn't sound like the Jesus that I know, right? Because I honestly believe if one of the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, you know, in, in earnest and said, I believe in what you're doing, or I might believe in what you're doing, I don't know, like can we talk about it some more? I have zero doubts in my mind that Jesus would wholeheartedly accept them without any question and not like nitpicking through their background and maybe did you do this thing one time? Like that's not the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I know would absolutely accept them wholeheartedly. So (laughs) how do these verses then fit with the Jesus that I know, right? That is the question. Um, So I often find that when you encounter some verses that don't feel like they line up with the the God that you know, um, it's really great to just look at the context, because usually they're just out of context. So that's what we're going to do. The story is, uh, the whole story is verses 20 through 30, so we're going to read all of that. Um, But remember, in Mark's gospel, Jesus is an exorcist. Um, That's important to the context, and I think a lot of times um, when we talk about stuff like this, we it's taken out of context a lot because nobody talks about like demons and exorcism. And that's too out there, right? So uh, we're going to start in verse 20. It says, One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. And soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Satan the prince of demons, and that's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. How can Satan cast out Satan? He asked. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods. Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he is possessed by an evil spirit. Okay, so essentially, Jesus teaching, doing his thing, Pharisees come up, and they basically try to say that the reason Jesus has the power to do what he's doing is because he's actually the prince of demons. So Then Jesus basically just responds by following that logic to its end, which is like kind of, not, it doesn't make sense when you kind of logic it out. So he's like, okay, so the prince of demons sent demons to people, but that's actually me, and now I'm casting them out. That doesn't make sense. Like, it just, like, completely... Once you lay it all out, you're like, no, that that really doesn't make any sense. And so this conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees really begs the question why the Pharisees had such a problem with Jesus casting out demons. You would think as the teachers, like the religious teachers, and therefore the people kind of caring for, shepherding the people, they're essentially like the leaders of the people, um, why would those people... They would be like pro exorcism, right? Like, wow, this is a great thing happening to all of these people. But they're against it clearly in this story. And I think it's pretty obvious, they're threatened by Jesus. And they recognize that he's got this power, right? They they can't deny that. Um, and all of these people are flocking to Jesus and like really clamoring to hear that. I mean, in this story he can't even stop to eat, right? Um, and so they're kind of they're at a loss of what to do and next best response is to just like discredit him, right? Um, And so that's what they do. They try to discredit his power by saying that this is really something you should be scared of. You guys should be scared of this. This is not a good thing, rather than it being something that is good and helpful for the community. And we know that when Jesus is talking about this like blaspheming the Holy Spirit bit, he's talking directly to the Pharisees who are doing what i was just talking about right like trying to discredit jesus's power and stuff like that and so still begging the question what is blaspheming the holy spirit specifically so the definition of like blaspheming in this situation is to attribute the spirit's power to something else okay so okay we're not okay blaspheming is not saying something bad about jesus Okay, it's not saying something bad about like God the Father, like the big guy, right? And we're not—it's not even like, oh, you're you're like talking crap about all three of them. It's just like attributing the spirit's power to something else. Why is why is that like the unpardonable sin, like the thing you can't do? Like, why is that the big bad wolf, right? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that seems like really small potatoes in comparison when you think about like murder or like literally anything else this is basically like plagiarism and they're and it's supposed to be worse than like this ultimately unforgivable thing again is the holy spirit just like really sensitive like no i want you to know that i'm the one doing that and you're attributing it to something else like that seems again small potatoes right so turn with me over to john 16 uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at what we are told is the actual role of the Holy Spirit, and um, we actually looked at these passages not too long ago, so you may remember some of this. But we're gonna start in verse eight and read verses eight and nine. So it says, "And when he comes, when he comes, so the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me." Okay. I'm going to list out the things that we know, because this feels a little disconnected right now. So, first of all, we know that the Holy Spirit is here to show us where we need to improve, which is essentially like conviction. The the Holy Spirit is here to convict us. Uh, Show us where we need to improve, okay? Conviction leads to transformation, which we know is a good thing. That's kind of the goal, right? And then this blaspheming the Holy Spirit bit is to attribute the Spirit's power to something else. So essentially, like, not listen to it, right? So if we're saying, oh, the Holy Spirit's doing this thing, but the Holy Spirit um, is actually powered by Satan, right? Then we're not going to listen to it because it's a bad thing. Okay. Okay, so if we put those three things together, we essentially get that blaspheming is unforgivable because if you refuse to believe in the one who can forgive, transform, convict you, and all of those things, then you won't be forgiven, right? If if you're talking to somebody and they forgive you and you don't listen to them or you pretend you can't hear them and you're just going, la, 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 like, then, then you're not forgiven because you won't listen to them, right? It's, it's that idea. So again, remember the analogy at the beginning with the computer where it's like, oh, it was just unplugged. So this, that analogy, I told you we're going to talk about plugs a lot today. Um, <laughs> it's a great analogy here because again, the only issue with the computer is... That it's unplugged. It's not like nothing was fundamentally changed about the computer. Um, there wasn't like some part that broke that can never be fixed again. Nothing like that. Like it just needed to be plugged in. Um, and so in the situation with the Pharisees and Jesus, if you apply it to that analogy, it would go kind of like this. <clears throat> Jesus is sitting, working on his computer, it's working great because it's plugged in, right? So he like opens up Solitaire, he's like playing Solitaire, or he opens up the calculator and he's like calculating some stuff, or he checks his email or whatever. And there's this Pharisee that's sitting next to him, and his computer's not plugged in. And so it's just like a black screen. And he's like, "Why can't I do it? How are you doing all of that?" And when Jesus starts to tell him, he cuts him off and says, "Oh my gosh, it's witchcraft." And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> just your computer's like unplugged right here. You just got to like plug it in. And the Pharisee is like, no, it's witchcraft, just witchcraft. That's all that's going on here. So and again, then Jesus is just like, okay, well, I mean, if you don't want to plug it in, that's never going to work. And that's kind of just how it goes. Because again, I have no doubt in my mind that if that Pharisee had turned to Jesus and said, hey, can you help me? Jesus' response would not, I, like, I guarantee you, it would not have been, oh, I mean, sucks to suck, like, your computer's just unplugged. I like, don't know what to tell you. Because <laughs> we actually, that does happen at some point in the Gospels, right? Nicodemus is a Pharisee, comes to Jesus, and Jesus helps Nicodemus, right? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't say that to him. So I think that idea that Jesus is always faithful to us and always willing to help us um, and help us see the things that we cannot see and those kinds of things is worth celebrating, right? So we're Nathan's going to come up, we're going to sing another song before we talk about this other part of this question and really get to the root issue here. Um, But I need you guys to hear (laughs) that the only thing keeping you disconnected from God, if that's where you're at right now, is you. God is here with us. God brought us into worship today, and the Holy Spirit, which is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is working with us and in us right now. Don't brush that off. Don't don't explain it as like indigestion or coincidence or anything like that. Um, respond, and that that's an okay thing. So we're going to worship again and um, celebrate the God whose love is never ending. Okay, so in the first part, we saw that there is nothing, remember what I said at the beginning, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love except potentially our own choice to reject God kind of like the Pharisees. So we're going to turn to the other question today uh, which is uh, do we have to worry about death if we've never been baptized? And the reason these two questions are actually very similar and the reason we put them together is because they have a very similar root fear which is what if, what if I die And I did this thing, either the unforgivable sin or maybe I just didn't get baptized. And that thing that I did will cause God to not love me anymore at all. But I'm dead and now I can't do anything about it, right? I can't fix it and I can't change it. And again, kind of like I said earlier, I'm just kind of screwed, right? Um, So I'm going to tell you about this baptism thing. Exactly what I told you earlier. There is, Nothing that can separate you from God's love for you, period, full stop. And actually, in the case of this baptism question, this exact scenario happens in the Gospels, so we actually know exactly what Jesus would do. So turn with me to Luke 23. Um, This is a story where Jesus uh, is being crucified, and there are two criminals with him that are also being crucified as well. So he's kind of having this conversation in in the midst of being crucified. Um, And he's having this conversation with these two criminals, right? So it goes like this. Uh, One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man, talking about Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So again, he's talking to these two criminals. And it's important to clarify here that like during this exchange, there was no like, oh, cut. Okay, uh, we're going to pull this guy down and we're going to baptize him really quick. We're going to put him back up there so that way Jesus can say this one line, right? Like that, that's not what happened. (laughs) Um he's having this conversation with this criminal who uh, is, it's pretty obvious, like, really didn't um, have any faith before this, and then tells Jesus, like, you've done nothing wrong, you don't really deserve to be here, but when you come into your kingdom, just remember me. And Jesus does nothing else but say, your faith is enough, like, you'll be with me in paradise. Case closed. It's not like Jesus sat there and was like, uh, I mean, like, I'm really not supposed to do this, but I guess we'll make an exception just this one time just for you, we're good. No, like, his, his faith was enough, Jesus says it, boom, done, we're good, right? So if we know, that, if we know as is obvious by literally the Bible just now, um, that there aren't eternal consequences to baptism, then the question becomes, why is baptism even really important, Right? Because that, that's the issue that people have with, it's either if you have to be baptized or you're going to hell um, or baptism is not important at all and that's why we have to do it because you have, you're going to hell, right? Like there's like no in between. Um, and so again, why is baptism important? Well, then I might ask you, why do you wear rings if you're married, right? It's not as though like rings in a marriage... Is like a barrier to entry. You have to have rings if you're getting married, right? If you didn't have a lot of money and you couldn't like get a ring, you're still married, right? It's not some kind of barrier to entry. But we would say that the wearing of rings is important to marriage because it's kind of a sign to other people that hey, I'm married, right? Now, if you went to your partner and you proposed the wearing of rings. Uh, again, to signal to everybody that you were married or that maybe it's just like a promise ring and something like that. And they were like, "Mm, no hard stop. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Then you're kind of like, okay, that feels a little sus to me. Like, like, are you committed to this relationship? Or like, why do you have a problem with other people knowing that we're in a relationship together? Right? Baptism is the same way. Uh, It's just a marker of a relationship with Jesus. Because it's not as though before you were baptized, you didn't have a relationship at all with Jesus. You knew nothing about him and suddenly you're baptized and now you guys are besties, right? Like in the same way that when you get married and you suddenly have a ring on your finger, you were still in a relationship with that person that whole time before that, right? Um, it's not like you didn't know them and now you know them and now again, you're besties, right? That's, that's not how it goes. Um, I think oftentimes we really wanna overcomplicate baptism or anything like that, just the relationship that we have with God. Here is the reality. Again, I'm going to say it again. There is nothing that stands between us and God's love, but somehow we keep trying to overcompensate for some wrongdoing that we're afraid is going to cause God to suddenly stop loving us. We're going to think the wrong thing about the Holy Spirit, and then God won't love us anymore, and we're screwed. Or I didn't get baptized and I died and now I, there's nothing I can do about it, right? There is not some unnamed wrongdoing that you can do that is going to keep God from loving you or that's going to cause God to say, you are now unlovable. Nothing. There's literally nothing that is going to cause God to do that, especially if you're allowing the conviction and transformation that the holy spirit provides in your life, right? That was the problem with the pharisees and the blaspheming the holy spirit. They weren't allowing that to happen. And so it's kind of difficult when somebody's going la 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 to talk to them, right? That's what that that's what that is. But again, if somebody dies really traumatically and they were never baptized, I have zero doubt in my mind that God would like, absolutely take them in with open arms. I think a lot of us fall into the trap of, oh, there's just something wrong with this computer and I can't figure out what it is. And so I'm just going to chuck the whole thing, right? Or we skip the first couple of steps, right? Oh, this computer won't turn on. The motherboard must be broken. It's not working anymore. That's why, that's why, It isn't working. And so again, we just have to chuck the whole thing because it's this really complicated thing that we can't fix. When in reality, it just needed to be plugged in, right? So my question for you is what helps keep you plugged in? Because if we're not feeling connected, it's really easy to want to just chuck the whole thing out, right? So what can we do if we're not feeling connected? Well, this is something we talk about here a lot, and that we obviously think is really important, is spiritual practices. Uh, So we have these little pamphlets here for those in the building in the foyer. Uh, It's on the wall to the right when you walk out those doors. For those online, I think it's like somewhere down here, there are links um, that you can click on for this spiritual practices guide. And it talks about a lot of different spiritual practices, right? Um... It talks about the way that we read scripture. Um, if you do a sacred reading, which, spoiler alert, it's going to be your homework at the end. Um, it talks about uh, a prayer of examine, which we're going to actually practice here in just a minute. Um, and if that is what's helpful for you to feel more connected to, to God, then that, it talks about all kinds of them. I will let you read it on your own. <clears throat> but I think the importance of feeling connected and feeling plugged in keeps us from wanting to just chuck the whole thing out. And it also makes it a lot easier when we come across verses like this or somebody asks us a question about this to say, I understand that this is from the Bible, but that doesn't sound like the Jesus that I know. So let's look into it. And it be, like we talked about before, the beginning of a conversation rather than you make a good point. Uh, I guess Jesus just sucks, and then we just chuck the whole thing out, right? So as we move into a time of communion, I want you to remind yourselves of the very simple truth that when, when we have questions like this, there is nothing that will separate you from God's ability or willingness to love you. There is nothing that is going to cause God to turn his back on you. Nothing. Nothing no part of you is unlovable. Okay? At the communion meal with his disciples, Jesus didn't say, if you do all of these things exactly right, only then can you be a part of the kingdom. That's not what he said. So as we move into a time of reflection and communion, I would ask that you remember that God's love is not any more complicated than that. It's not this overcomplicated thing that we often try to make it. And the only thing standing between God's love and forgiveness and us is sometimes ourselves, because I think we get in the way of ourselves a lot. So the question I have for you is, are you plugged in? So as we move into a time of re- reflection, as I uh, just said, we're going to do a prayer of examine. So essentially, am going to ask you a couple of questions and ask that you just... Prayerfully reflect on them. And we have four questions when I get to the end of them. Um, I'll pray for us and then we'll receive communion together. And then Nathan will come up and we'll sing another song. Okay. So the first question is, in the past week, what has kept me unplugged from God? next question is, in the past week, how have I felt being unplugged from God? next question is in the coming week how can I incorporate one spiritual practice into my life to help me get plugged in And finally, in the coming week, how might God be inviting me to plug in? Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you for being here with us. We thank you for loving us, even when we feel scared or afraid that you don't, uh, and even when we overcomplicate your love for us. We ask that your presence might feel stronger with us as we leave today, helping to remind us of our goals for being plugged in to you. We pray that this communion meal would provide a spiritual nourishment for us as we go back out into a world that finds endless love to be truly unbelievable. And we pray that that spiritual nourishment would provide a sustenance for us to allow us to be plugged back into you. We ask all of this in your name. On the night that he was portrayed, Jesus broke bread with his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. And when they had finished the meal, he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink it. And so we too eat and drink and remember his death until he returns. As you go this week, I have some homework for you. I know JR doesn't always give us homework, but it's fine. Um, I would urge you this week uh, to read Romans 8 and not to just read it, but to do a sacred reading with it. And if you need kind of how to do that, again, please grab one of these. Um, But that Romans 8 as a chapter just really speaks to exactly what we were talking about today. And so I would urge you to read it and reread it and sit with it um, this week as you ponder what getting plugged in uh, looks like. And also before, before we go, we want to thank obviously all of the volunteers who are here with us, who help us keep this thing running. And we want to thank everybody who's giving, uh, again, just to keep everything running. Um, we appreciate all of you. Um, we want to thank the guests who've been here with, uh, with us this week, either in person or online. Uh, we thank you for being here. Uh, we thank you for uh, being open to the Spirit um, and the Spirit's calling. So as you go, may the Holy Spirit be in front of you to guide you. May he be beside you, to walk with you in any hardships, and behind you to support you. Go in the grace of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week.